Welcome. We're in the sixth habit, I think the ninth week of going through the seven habits of highly effective people. And I will, I, I continue to say that I've been shocked how engaged I've been in this book. And as I've been reading some other books, how I keep relating things back to here. I mean, I just got finished reading uh, Atomic Habits by a man named James Clear. And um, a great book, incredible exercises. Uh, you can look up James Clear Atomic Habits uh, and find an enormous amount of free materials that he gives away. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I like here in this habit six synergize, it starts off with principles of creative cooperation. And he starts the, ch uh, the chapter with uh, Churchill when he was called uh, to head up the war effort for Britain. He remarked that all his life had prepared him for this hour in a similar sense. This is the author now saying, in a similar sense, the exercise of all the other habits prepares us for the habit of synergy. When properly understood, synergy is the highest activity in all life. The true test and manifestation of all the other habits put together. The highest forms of synergy focus the four unique human endowments, the motive of win-win, the skills of empathetic communication on the toughest challenges we face in life. What results is almost miraculous. We create new alternatives, something that wasn't there before. It's pretty, uh, I don't know, I find that a little bit profound. What synergy? Coalescing everything together? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay, say that again. What is synergy? Coalescing everything together? Bringing all simply, the habits into one? Simply define. It means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is greater than the sum. Yep, what you just said. Some, yeah. Coalescing everything together. It means that the relationship that the parts have to each other is a part in and of itself. It is not only a part, but the most catalytic, the most empowering, the most unifying, and the most exciting part. So it's interesting how he's bringing together here synergy in the creative process. This, the creative process is also the most terrifying part because you don't know exactly what's going to happen or where it is going to lead. You don't know what new dangers and challenges you'll find. It takes an enormous amount of internal security to begin with the spirit of adventure, the spirit of discovery, and the spirit of creativity. I had a situation this morning where, and um, dealing with an an employee, one of my loan officers, salespeople, that keeps operating out there. He doesn't participate much in our 
in our team meetings we have per week. Matter of fact, not much. He's never been on one of them and um, just kind of doing his own thing. And some of that's okay. Some of it's not. What is an attorney says that, Beth, you got two attorneys in your, your family. They've been trained to never ask a question you don't know the, uh, the answer to. Right. And so I was headed down a path with him this morning and uh, he got really upset with me. And I was trying to be creative in the process of understanding where he was coming from. And wasn't creating real good synergy in a way. I just, uh, 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 he got pretty upset with me. Um, uh, as I went through a discovery process, trying to understand why he had the attitude he had. Mm-hmm. And he got really upset with me and uh, thought I was uh, being unreasonable. Um but I'm, I don't know, maybe I've got that heavy on my, on my mind, but I'm, I'm lacking that here to uh, the, you know, synergy, the synergy uh, that he continues to create isn't real positive. Um, so what do you do? How do you, how do you um, fix that? Uh, you know, I think it's something that, I don't think you do fix it. Um, yeah, I work under a a um, uh, under a premise that you lead people and you manage processes. And when you have to start managing people, you're it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't normally lead well or, or end well. Uh, by processes, I mean checklist, um, uh, uh, even training. Training comes up underneath management. Uh, he had not received some training for uh, something new that he was doing. Um, and um, it, um, he, he was creating extra work for people on the team. We have 17 people on our team that I lead, and then we regularly deal with about another um 15 wow. on, on a week on a weekly basis that we that we, so uh, you know leading is you know uh, you can lead around you can lead up you lead down uh, from a 360 degree standpoint and so when i'm dealing with another manager um in the company that doesn't report to me then i'm that's what i call lead, leading across um I got a couple of uh, people that I report up to leading up. Um, and, and part of that just being what there's a book called being a courageous about being a courageous follower that I have uh, learned that helps me through that process. But um, when you know, sometimes there's tough love and that's what it's coming down to with this guy. Uh, he doesn't want to participate he'll disappear for days at a time and then he's all in and everybody's supposed to, uh, to, you know, how it is. And it just, um, so anyway, um, you know, he says, without doubt, you have to leave the comfort zone of base camp and confront entirely new and unknown world wilderness. You become a trailblazer, a pathfinder, 
you open new possibilities, new territories, new continents, so that others can follow. And that's after he said, you don't know what new challenges and dangers you'll find as you go through the creative process. Um, um, and uh, he, he goes through this you know, later, um, but I, I look at the creative process. I agree. I, I like what he says. I agree with what he says. If I didn't agree, I would have to consider what he says because of who the author is and what he uh, you know, uh, went through to get to the point where he wrote this book. But, but um, uh, is that, you know, because we have these social, mental, as he calls them, emotional differences, um, and we, value, we need to value those differences with each other, um, deal with the event as things happen and not the people. Um, and he says, could these differences not also be used, not also be sources for creating new and exciting uh, forms, creating an environment that is truly fulfilling for each person that nurtures the self-esteem and self-worth of each and creates opportunities for each to mature into independence and then gradually into interdependence. Go back into the first three ha habits was independence. And then these next three habits, four, five, and six are the interdependence, the independent or private victories that we get. So I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself here a little bit, but um, we, we've talked about this before, uh, but you know, the first three habits are private victor, victory, being proactive, beginning with the end in mind and putting thirst, first things first. Those are uh, uh, the independent things that you create. When you create those, then you can create a better public or interdependent victory. Uh, it's, you know, I've, I've gone back you know, well, this, this thing this morning, um, you know, I'm sitting there talking to him, asking him questions. I'm thinking about what my intent is that I'm where I'm trying to get to with him and uh, just kind of reach the end of where I'm end of the road. I'm close to the end of the road that the end in mind is that we want a cohesive team. You mentioned fixing. Darren Hardy tells a story about a hotel in California he, he loved going to. And it was a smaller hotel, only had about 50, 60 rooms. It was just, uh, just, he, it just, he just loved the place. And he'd make a reservation, go there once or twice a year, might be gone for two or three years. And when he showed back up, they came out said, welcome, Mr. Hardy. You know, the guy parking his car, uh, you know, uh, people at the front door throughout the hotel, just the nicest people in the world. And he said, finally, after about three or four of these trips, and he'd asked to speak to the manager, and there's always an assistant manager there. Turned out the manager was also the owner, and he happened not, he'd normally there, but happened to not be there when he asked for him. So, uh, even the, the ladies, you know, cleaning the rooms in the mornings knew his name and was nice to him, recognized him. And he asked, 
the owner one time, finally he says, how do you train these, the attitude in these people? And the man went, pardon me? He said, how do you train these people to be so nice? And he said, uh, I don't. He said, but they're so nice. And he says, no, I don't train them. I hire nice people. Yeah. And, and, and Darren goes, damn, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, uh, uh, I heard him say that last year and it's, it's, uh, it changes things when you're hiring nice people. I look at people on my, on, on my team. I'm thinking about that right now. And the nice ones, we are so creative together, coming up with new ways to, uh, to service our clients, to, uh, uh, to show value in, in the training that we do that, you know, big part of our marketing is, is the training that we do. So anyway. And people love hearing their names. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. So anytime there's someone with the name tag on, I always look at the name tag and then I, I say something to them. Hey, Frank. Uh, you know, and then I might ask them a question. But people love when you use their name or you hear your name. You always yeah. Surprise, you know. I, back during, uh, uh, anyway, I, I was at my doctor about a month ago. And I just started using this doctor, uh, uh, you know, recently. And uh, he's one of those kind of a, uh, what do they call a, a, one of the doctors, you pay a flat fee per month and you can go as much as you want. And all Concierge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and I walked in there and I, well, hi, Danny. And I, the, the lady that was there and I had met him at a, at a local networking, uh, uh, you know, thing here in four points. And, um, and, and his office manager or, uh, was, was there with him. I walked in, hi, Danny. And I was like, well, hey, how you doing? She says, uh, you have an appointment, don't you? I said, yeah, I sure do. And uh, that, that, then the lab person going to draw some blood. She said, hi, Danny. And uh, you know, Doc come out and he said, hey, Danny. And I'm kind of, well, this is really nice. Found out, I realized later I had my name tag on. <laughs> you know, it made me feel, you're, you're right, Artie, it made me feel great. Oh, you love when you, yeah, you feel special when they say your yeah. name to you. Yeah. You know? I wear People my name love tag. love to hear on. their names. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, yeah. yeah. you know, uh, I told my wife, I might start wearing my name tag everywhere. everywhere. She says, why? I said, because people call me by my name and I like it. So anyway, yeah. the, uh, she, I mean, she goes, you're so vain. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, we way. all love it. We all love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is off track, Danny, but I can't help thinking about your guy that you're crossways with. Like, what are what is it? What is his strength finders? Like, do you have anything in common at all? You know. Yeah. You know, he never yeah, uh, sit down heart to heart with. You know. I, you know, that's what I've tried. Tried taking the lunch. Oh, you did. You yeah. know, just said James, let's let's have lunch. Let's sit down and, and work this out. This was you know, two months ago and, oh. and, uh, uh, and always got an excuse. And, um, uh, so, uh, usually, I mean, I, uh, I can normally work a lot of things out what, what, where, where I get, uh, really crossways chap, whatever you want to call it is when somebody's causing other people extra work and they won't take the um um they, and then they cast blame and well and you know the rest of the team is watching what you do oh yeah <laughs> maybe time to cut him loose and he's he's never gonna quit he's gonna wait till you escort him to the door so i know a lot of those guys too where they've yeah. been in my company 
And they're like, I'm just hanging on until the manager fires me because then I can get an unemployment check or whatever. Oh, wow. They, yeah. Yeah. I used to they, manage large sales forces and I, I was in Danny's shoes. You know, there was always that one guy that was like the uh, rock in the shoe, I call it. Right. Yeah. So you try once, you know, then you might try another time. Then you try three times and the old adage, three times you're out. Yep. If I try to reach out to you and try to uh, appease you or accommodate you and figure out how we can work together, how I can help you, and you're still of the rock in the shoe, then I'm sorry, then I terminate. Yeah. Yep. I'll give you three times. You know? Yep. So going through this, uh, and, you know, he, it's really interesting how much he focuses here up front on synergy and the challenge of applying the principles of, of crea creative cooperation um, and, and, you know, the differences. And he says that, but, but what about the social, mental, and emotional differences? Could these differences not also be sources of creating new, exciting, uh, he calls it forms of life, creating an environment that is truly fulfilling for each person that nurtures the self-esteem and, and self-worth of each could synergy not create a new script for the next generation. So he's very forward thinking. And uh, I, I have to kind of break it down. He gets into some, he gets into some details here that we won't get into, but uh, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, as he's into the, uh, then gradually into interdependence. That uh, wasn't what I was reading. Um, the next generation and it's, it's literally the next generation of conversations as you said others are watching so it's the next generation of revolvement of your culture uh austin uh, my son was at a uh a lunch meeting today with a the the uh broker of record for a very large uh real estate company here in town that we've been training uh 40 something of their realtors uh, the last few months. And, um, um, and if the, the conversation came around to culture and he texted me, he said, what is it that you say about culture? And it's not, I got it from John Maxwell and a couple other people, but culture eats strategy, vision, purpose, and goals for breakfast. You can yeah. have all that lined out and working on it so hard. But what is your culture? You know, and um, if you have a synergistic culture, it's going to be very creative. Um, uh, so, uh, so he talks in here about uh, synergistic communication and uh, that nearly all creative endeavors are somewhat unpredictable. They, they often seem ambiguous, hit or miss, trial and error. And unless people have a high tolerance for ambiguity, and get their security from integrity to principles and inner values, they find it unnerving and unpleasant to be involved in highly creative enterprises. The oh my God. My, my, my boss, he just thanked us all for being able to live with all the ambiguity that we're dealing with because the hub doesn't work right. The calls don't work right. They're written up. We are just in this startup chaos. It's just pure chaos. Um, they thought they would have about 
200 prescriptions in February and they had 2000. So they weren't prepared oh for God. the uptake. I know it's a, it's a good problem to have, but it's not a good problem when you just don't have the staffing, you don't have everybody up and running. And one week the rule is this, and then the next week it changes. But he, overall, there's a couple on my team of 10 who have a struggle with that, but mostly he hired people. And I don't know what it was about my background that he could thought I could deal with ambiguity. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you, it, 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 he just said it right there. Where, where was that? Yep. Um, and that's exactly you, I heard you say. Uh, it's your, uh, uh, you're secure. Uh, uh, well, that's uh, true. Uh, uh, you get you you get your security not from structure, certainty, and predictability, but you get your security from integrity, principles, and inner values. Okay, I was hearing more about the next the next sentence, but you're right. I don't need the structure. You roll with the punches. Yeah, totally. And yeah. in fact, I find it kind of fun. Well, that's why you're successful. You don't get stuck in the minutia and worry about everything. You just keep going forward and try to make it work. And that's the way you have to be. Yeah. And so my boss hired a team of 10 back in November, December. And I'm like, that as I, in hindsight now, I see that's really who he was hiring. So let me ask this question. So at what point should the, I mean, let me ask it a certain way. At some point, is it expected that ambiguity, I have trouble with that word, that, uh, does it go away and structure comes into place? Um, that's a good question because it's pharmaceutical. So there's a lot of structure anyway about what you can say, what you can't say. There's a firewall between us and sales. You know, so there's a lot of structure that's there anyway. But I don't think the ambiguity goes away much because the insurance business is changing all the time. And how things get paid for, whether it's medical benefit or through the pharmacy. So on, your, on your team, it doesn't, but the structure's all, you wouldn't want to hire somebody. There's a certain process that needs to take place the same thing ever, you know, that's, that's a good flow to get yeah. things done correctly. Yeah. You're just in a different True. team that's built for the ambiguity. Ambiguity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to skip over the uh, the synergy in in the classroom and jump over to the uh, to the uh, synergy in business. He says at first the communication and he's talking about a situation was respectful, careful, and predictable. But as we began to talk about the various alternatives, possibilities, and opportunities ahead. People became very open and authentic and simply started to think out loud. The mission statement agenda gave way to a collective free association, spontaneous piggy, piggybacking of ideas. People were generally empathetic as well as courageous, and we moved from mutual respect and understanding to a creative, synergistic communication. So it was a corporation where they were working on the corporate mission statement. Once people have experienced real synergy, they are never quite the same again. They know the possibility of having 
other such mind-expanding adventures in the future. Often attempts are, are made to create a particular synergistic experience, but this seldom can be done. However, the essential purpose behind creative work can be recaptured. That's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, um, I didn't have that part underlined, but was drawn to it. I, you know, I've been in to some synergistic. I've had some really good synergistic experiences and I know that I've tried to recreate them. Um, kind of working on that now. Um, uh, I took a deep breath there. I realized I'm, I'm kind of sighing because, um, um, uh, you know, with some of our team and some of our, our, our team that, that helped support us. And he says, like the far Eastern philosophy, we seek not to imitate the masters. We seek to what they sought, unquote. We seek not to imitate past creative synergistic experiences. Rather, we seek new ones around new and different and sometimes higher purposes. So um, in the book, um, He's got a picture of levels of communication. I'm going to put it up here. So there uh, he's got mm -hmm. on this side, trust and down at the bottom, whoops, get over there, cooperation. And as you, when you have low trust and low cooperation, you're in a wind, go, go back to last week. Um, uh, and, um, uh, uh, or two weeks ago, the win-win, um, which you really want. Um, you know, the habit number four, think win-win. Um, when you've got low trust and low cooperation, now again, he's talking about this synergy of, of uh, it, when you have low trust and low cooperation, you have your defensive, it's a win-lose or lose-win. But when you have high trust and high cooperation, it's synergistic. It's win-win. Makes sense. I've really have been uh, – I found myself drifting that thought of win-win or no deal, which is – that's it. It has to be win-win. And if it's not win-win, it's no deal. There's no compromise. And I've um, – really been working on some of that, uh, you know, with, uh, it, it, as we're forming, synergizing, you know, bringing our team together. Um, anyway. That's what I try to do. Win-win, you know, try to then work out a deal, right? Yeah. Some type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. How far do you have to get in? It, 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 how soon do you know that, Artie? That's a good question. You don't know that till the end, usually. You know, so right before you uh, get the term sheet. You know, and then usually you know how that is. Sometimes when you get the term sheet, you, that's when negotiations then starts. Yeah. So it all depends. You know, Jim Collins talked about. 
in his book, um, Good to Great, you get the right people on the, on the bus, then you put them in the right seats. Um, I find that with, with my clients a lot of times that, uh, uh, I wonder, you know, it, is there a connection there? Uh, Scott Carley and I have talked about, uh, you know, he, he has that assessment called fascinate. That yeah. He I got think I they've gotten certified in and, uh, um, that book fascinate it has been a um um it's about market attraction versus attraction to market we're all attracted to a certain market we think and uh, the mortgage business yeah i'm always attracted to westlake and lakeway because of the big loan amounts but yet most right. of the business that i get are up <coughs> up in cedar park leander which georgetown. is georgetown yeah. a lot of fha loans and, and right. uh uh, and a lot of that has to do with they're tougher to do. There's a lot of first time home buyers walking through the process. And, and, uh, so I've, I have found over the years that, um, uh, there's a certain, a synergy between me and those type of people, um, uh, in, in the bigger houses, the one that people that are attracted, <coughs> to me, they're the ones with the real thick tax returns. They got three or four corporations and all kinds of stuff going on. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. I know you deal with a lot of that. Um, valuing the differences is the essence of synergy. He says the mental, emotional and psychological differences between people. The key to valuing those differences is to realize that all people see the world not as it is, but as they are. We all have a worldview. We all have a certain lens that we look through. Yeah. You know, it's a big problem going on in the world right now because of all of the information that we have that we get fed from so many sources that we come to uh, not value other people's um, um, it, how different we all are he wrote well, I'm with a group I'm in right now um, and I'll, you know so I belong to a ladies organization where you're hereditary from a relative in the Civil War who fought in the Civil War for the North, okay? And the ladies who are running it right now, they have run everybody else off. So it's the ladies in Ohio that are doing it. And I'm the senior vice president. They, the, the, the person my age is the president. The past national president on the advisory council is her mother. The secretary is her daughter. Um, the treasurer is her friend, and then her husband is the CPA who does it for free. So, you know, and it just all of this kind of stuff. And this is a group of people who are not happy unless they're in a fight with somebody. Oh, my goodness. I hate people like that. Yeah. You know, and I'm in this organization because it's started in 1886. My grandmother was You're in it. You're that old. 
So my investment is more of an emotional investment in this group, or I would just walk away from them like all these other people. I called a Your pastor. grandmother was in the with a one of the found in the beginning. No, no, not in 1886. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Okay. Great, great, great. But my great, great, great grandfather fought in the Civil War. Wow. So if you think about it, if you if there's even a PBS show about the great joining. Why did people join all these things? Because there was no social security and things, right? right? There was a very small government pension, but they created what was called the Grand Army of the Republic to support everybody. Hmm. And, you know, they had a they had GAR halls all over America. They were everywhere. And the ladies group I'm in had 10,000 members. Yeah. It was big. So he, he talks here about differences and think about the differences right there and what would and, and how much better it would be that people would value other people's differences. To, uh, to uh, I mean, you might have heard me tell the story about, I mean, if you look at the top of in my actual redoing it right now, but uh, uh, still a couple of, of my links on my pages, there's a little caption of there says, what if you did? OK, and uh, uh, and. Um, years, probably 20 years ago, I said something to my wife about, babe, would you like to? No. And I went, let me finish. Would you ever consider? No. Guys, <laughs> I mean, familiar. I wasn't giving up. We went through about a dozen of those reiterations before I finally got her to, to, to zip it. And I said, would you ever consider going to Russia on a mission trip she goes for what <laughs> no absolutely not and i said what if you did and she said but what if i did what what if you did want to go but i don't so we went through that for a minute i said but if you did want to well if i wanted to i said if you wanted to what would that what would we do and well, we went through that and and guys in the end, this went on and off all one afternoon, Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And in the end, she it, it, she was kind of like, okay, that does sound pretty cool, but I'm not going. Okay. And and, uh, and over the years, things that I don't want to do, I remember here about a year ago, I had a long walk plan, getting ready for something. And I was going to go walk a few, quite a few miles. And Kathy says, oh, by the way, we're going out to Lakeway uh, this afternoon to see the boys. That's the two grandsons. And I was kind of like, I didn't want to, but I was feeling guilty because I hadn't seen, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the boys in a couple of three weeks. And then I went, okay, what if I did want to do that? And I went through it. By, by the time we got in the car, I was ready to go. Now, uh uh, I, I went walking out there. What if I did want to go out? I'd go. Da, 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 da. They're going to be going down for a nap here in a couple of hours. And Kathy's going to want to visit. So I'll just go walk in Lakewood. Uh, now, Kathy used that all against me. And one time, uh, that wasn't too long after that first uh, 20 years ago, she said, uh, hey, you want to go to the mall with me? I said, no. And she says, what if you did? <laughs> and uh, and I it, this is before, you know, phones with a with books and i said well if i did that's a good point if i did i'd probably want to go shopping or something but at worst can i take a book and sit on a bench somewhere and she said yeah 
And uh, but it's the differences in seeing things. It's why when we read these books, we have to come to the book with a with an open mind of not disagreeing. Uh, that's why I kind of stuttered through when I said something about I really like, I really agree. And I went, well, wait a minute. What if I didn't agree? I need to re I still need to consider what he says. The sign of an educated person that can see another person's consider that can consider another person's ideas without having to own them. So anyway, uh, I listened to this chapter Saturday out hiking and um, um, made some notes and um, talking it out with you guys has made me realize that I need to go back through and really read it slower. Um, there are some things I didn't pick up on. He says, at one of our development programs, an executive reported a situation where a manufacturer was being sued by a longtime industrial customer for a lack of performance. Both parties felt totally justified by the rightness of their position and each perceived the other as unethical and completely untrustworthy. As they began to practice habit five, two things became clear. First, every communication, early communication problems resulted in misunderstanding. Second, both were initially acting in good faith, but didn't like the cost and hassle. But anyway, they go, he goes through that and that they were, uh, the problem rapidly resolved and the relationship uh, uh, continues to prosper. And that's as they went through these different habits to work this thing out. So um, um, just something to um, um, this whole synergy thing, I'm um, sitting here realizing right now there's a lot of it that I don't uh, have a good enough uh, grip on. He said synergy, and this is in the, I think this is in the, uh, yeah, the new insights by Sean Covey. Getting to synergy doesn't just happen. You have to get there. If you're not sure where to start, you follow the simple five-step process. Define the problem or opportunity. Number two, Seek first to understand the ideas of others. What is their way? Now, seek to, uh, to be understood. Number three, which is your way. Brainstorm, create new options and ideas. And five, he calls the highway, find the best solution. So to find the problem or opportunity, number two is their way. Number three is my way. Number four is brainstorm. And number five is highway. Might be what I practice with uh, your way or the highway. Yeah. <laughs> well, in that you're 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 going through those. You know, it, 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 what's a win-win? Right. And uh, um, uh, what's a win-win? Um, um, in, in in our business, we have a whole lot of compliance. And we can't mess with that compliance. We've got 
our software has triggers in it that's going to trigger the need for that compliance. Yeah. So. Is this a Gen X person? That's your job? Uh, hold on a second. I only ask. What years is that? Well, it's older than millennials and younger than boomers. So, like in their 40s. Yeah, yeah, I think he, yeah, hold on. That's a great question. Let me look up something right here. I'm a boomer. Yeah, Gen Xers have a real problem with boomers. There's just something about it that they kind of butt heads or whatever, whereas millennials would get along great. And it's not to categorize everybody into a box. But there is a trend there. There is sort of a, a cooperative. Yeah. Well, lucky for you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I get along with everyone. Well, and if I don't, I ignore them. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Hold on just one second. I'm trying to find something. I actually have a lesson that I've got to complete in a year long uh, program I'm in that has to do with um, the different generations. And the interesting thing about that is they have a different viewpoint. And so as we're talking about trying yes. to get along. Yes, Gen X is 65 to 1980. Yep. Oh, 65 to 80. Yep. They're independent, hardworking, fast-paced, results-driven, but their weaknesses are being skeptical cynical, want to work for themselves, dislike and will repeatedly test authority, impatient, lack people skills, mistrust institutions, uh, reject rules and suspicious of other generations. Very that's good. That's your God. That's, yeah. yeah that's, that's, interesting. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So then you got to read how to handle these guys. What's that? Then you got to read how to handle them or work with them. Yeah, and uh, and I've got a couple other Gen Xs that uh, that work for me that um, we do we do real well. They have to be. They have to see the value in the proven. Everything's about proving it to them in a sense. So the ones you're getting along with, they see the proof in what your rules are and why things are done a certain way, and and they understand why you have to communicate. You're not thinking about one of them. I'm thinking about one of those guys that I love. He's great. It's been it's just been great. But he he re, he regularly um, will tell us uh, how uh, you know Austin and I, my son, we're partners in our branch, and and, uh, 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 and we're co uh, kind of regional uh, leaders and, and or managers. And this guy will regularly give us affirmations. And, and, and it's interesting, Beth, you brought this up because I have, I have wondered, is he trying to convince us or himself? And so he's given us these informations as self-talk uh, through this. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, guys, uh, next week is uh, we will wrap up this book next week. Okay. Uh, and we're going to, but we're going to go through Sharpen the Saw. Yeah, send out now the new book you're going to do. You know, give us two week notice so we can all buy it. Yep. 
I'm going to do that. I will. I, and I've got to recompile my, my list. Um, you know, typically the way I do these things, I'll send out a big, big group list to my database. We're going to do this. Typically there's eight, 10, 12. I think this first call, we had about 15 people on over time. It goes away. Uh, a four week turn time on three to four week turn times on these is best. People kind of wear out of, about some books, uh, but yeah, they uh, probably uh, do. Uh, yeah, I'm worn out on this. But I'm going to do the uh, uh, the checklist manifesto. Oh, okay. Oh, that's I might like that. Yeah, yeah I think no, I, I think you will. It's a <laughs> it's a real good book. It reads really well. Re reads uh, pretty fast. It, it's actually a uh, a surgeon that wrote it Beth. Oh. but but i'll send that out the checklist manifesto now people do they move on by the digital book do they buy the heart your know, soft color book do they buy the audio book what do you, what's the thoughts on that okay hold on a sec. uh i the um i will always buy the paper okay but you know the digital but i typically have the um, the digital also, because then I want to go back and look some things up. You can do it on digital, then find it in the paper. So it's just whatever you want to do. And then just set up your digital reader, uh, Kindle, for instance, to, uh, to read the page by page number. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so you, it, it's, you can set it to read location or page number. You need to set it to reach to read a, a page, page number. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I might like to. Would you buy it off Amazon mostly? Yes, that's what that's normally what I do. Because uh, I don't have a Kindle. I, you know what? I have Barnes and Noble. Well, okay, you can get it Barnes and Nobles, but uh, uh, and, and and if I'm gonna buy a book and paper, I go to Barnes and Nobles. I have a Barnes and Nobles account also. Yeah. Uh, the the author is uh, A T U L. Let me get back there. Give me a second. Uh, first name is A-T-U-L. Last name is G-A-W-A-N-D-E. It, it, it looks like this here. Okay. It's got a little glare on it. Sorry. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Spell the last name again for me and I'll just type it. Uh, uh, golf, Alpha, Whiskey, Alpha, Nancy Delta Echo, G-A-W-A-N-D-E. Got it. And I know my, I know my phonetic alphabet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good.